Greetings to each one that came out this morning. One of my favorite Bible characters is Joseph. Now, I know we're going through Genesis in Sunday school, but I'm trying to be ahead of the curve. And by the time we get to Joseph, you'll probably forget everything I said, and then we'll discuss Joseph again or, or whatever. Thing. But back in our early years of marriage, we listened, we actually had a series of the study of Joseph, and I kind of wanted to listen to him again, but I had two problems. I couldn't find them, was the first problem. The second problem, they were in cassette form, and I had to find a cassette player to play it anyway if I was going to listen to it. So some of you are like, what is a cassette player? Um, some of us do know. We're old enough to know what a cassette is. But Anyway, so I'd like to start a series on the life of Joseph. And before I get into Joseph, I would like to take a look at a few verses in the New Testament. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says here, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. It says that we know that all things, not some things, all things, everything, all things, work together for good to those who love God. So there is some inclusion here. It's to those that love God. So if you say that, well, the things that are happening to me are not God's plan, maybe it's because we don't love God. Because if we love God, all things work together for good. The next verse I'd like to look at is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13. And I think both of these verses, we can look at the life of Joseph and apply these here to the life of Joseph. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. It says here, no temptation, not most, not some, but no temptation. It also says that God is faithful, and he will make a way of escape. Now, I went to the faithful book called the Dictionary and looked up the word escape. The first two definitions of the word escape, the first one is, is to slip away. So in other words, that gives me the idea that you were caught, something had a hold of you, and you slipped away and you escaped from whatever had a hold of you. The second definition is to avoid capture. That gives me the idea that you knew something was going to catch you, but before it caught you, you got away from that and you avoided being caught. So there's two different ways that we can escape when we are tempted. We can escape it before it gets us, or we can escape it if it gets us, we still have a way that God allows us to escape. 
Now, I'm not a big trapper by any means, but I did do some trapping in my lifetime back when my oldest son had an interest in trapping. And if you get a, a wild animal in a trap, they will do amazing things to get away. They might be calm until you show up. And it's amazing what they will do. They can't get away because they're trapped. We've seen cases where something was trapped and was no longer there because it escaped. Um, sometimes maybe it was because of the lack of ability of the trapper setting things properly. Um, but there are times when all you found was the foot of the animal. They literally chewed through their leg to get away because they knew that either it was three legs in pain or death. Are we that serious about escaping temptation this morning? Let's look at the life of Joseph. I'm not, well, I think I know how far I'm going to get today, and I'm not going to get through all of it, but. So the life of Joseph starts in Genesis chapter 37. If you want to turn there, you may. Before I get started, I'm just going to kind of give a timeline. There are a few places in Genesis that talks about the age of Joseph. To me, it's interesting to know kind of how old he was. So when we first read about Joseph, he was 17 years old. I don't know if we have anyone that's 17 years old here today. One? Okay. Abigail, he was your age. So Joseph was 17 when the story of Joseph begins in the Bible. The next age that is recorded in Scripture is found in Genesis 41, 46. You don't have to turn to it. If you want to jot it down, you may. When he became ruler over Egypt, he was 30 years old. So he was in prison for two years after the baker did not tell that he was there. He told them, would you please kindly tell someone to get me out of this place? So he would have been 28 when he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker. And then, in Genesis 47, verse 9, when he was reunited with Jacob, his father, Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said, I am 130 years old. And so if he became, it was 30 when he ruled Egypt, there were seven good years. And when Jacob came, two years of famine had already passed. He said there was five years to remain yet. So... If I know how to do math right, he had been 39 years old when he was reunited with Jacob. So, if I'm wrong, correct me. That's how I read and that's how I do my math. The thing I don't know is how long was Joseph in prison? Um, a lot of people would think that he could have possibly been at least 19 when he was thrown in, maybe even 18. So he'd probably been in prison possibly 11 to 12 years before he was Escape, but we don't know that for sure. Anyway, Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to just read the first four verses at this point. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. 
Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Verse 3, uh, verse 2, it says that Joseph bought, brought a bad report of them to his father. Verse 3, it, it talks about that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Now that's not a good thing, and as we see, that's where a lot of these problems started. His brothers hated him because they saw that his father loved him more than the rest of the children. And that's what it says in verse 4, that they hated him and could not even speak peacefully for him. So one thing that we see in the life of Joseph is that God can turn every negative into a positive. We also know that life is full of disappointments, setbacks, delays, but yet every single negative can be turned into a positive. And you may say that, but you don't know what I'm going through. You have no clue what I'm dealing with in my life. And you know, it might be true, but God knows. God knew what Joseph was dealing with in his life. There's a saying, it says, it's not the water that surrounds the boat that sinks the boat. It's the water that gets into the boat that sinks the boat. Back into Genesis. We'll read verses 5 to 8. It says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said it to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall we, you indeed, reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now first of all, maybe Joseph shouldn't even told him his dream. But that's beside the point, because he did. And I don't know, I guess I'm going to use my imagination a little bit, because the Bible doesn't really say here. It does say that Joseph was loved more than his brothers. His brothers hated him. Yet... You know, all of us, I shouldn't say all of us, most of us have siblings. Most of us have an older brother or an older sister or a younger brother and a younger sister. One or the other. There might be some that are single. But probably sometime in your life, something happened when you were growing up that you irritated one of your siblings. And not only did you irritate them, you dumped salt in the wound. Just rubbed it in. I, I guess I don't read, I don't imagine that Joseph did that, knowing that his brothers already hated him, that he just told them this dream, just like, I'm just going to make you hate me even more. So I guess that's room for my, I don't think he was a brat. I think he was just, he sensed the dream was from God and he wanted to share it. I don't think he understood what the dream was for. Anyway, he had another dream. Let's read on through verse 11. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. So he told it 
sorry, back up. He said, then he dreamed still another dream, and he said to his brothers, he said, look, I have dreamed another dream, and at this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I like that in verse 11. In verse 8, it says that his brothers hated him even more. But in verse 11, it says that his brothers envied him. So maybe there's a different kind of hatred. It was an envy. But it said, but his father kept the matter in mind. And I don't know what that all means, except that we can see the rest of the story. Um, even though Jacob rebuked him for it, he kept the matter in mind. Now, I'd like to turn back in time just a little bit, step out of the life of Joseph. Turn with me to Genesis 4. This is the life of two other brothers. Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 to 8 is the account of Cain and Abel. Starting in verse 4. Abel also brought of the first fruits of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Then Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. We see here, when love is absent, hatred abounds. And we look at the, the ten brothers, they hated Joseph, and we see what happens. Love was absent, so hatred abounded. I'd like to just look at verse 7 here in Genesis 4. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? It says, and if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should not rule over it. So here Cain was faced with a choice, and we know that his choice was he allowed the desire of sin to rule his life. Back into Genesis 37. I'm going to re read the remainder of chapter 37, starting in verse 12, and we'll read it to the end of the chapter. Then his brothers went to feed their fa father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. 
Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to him, Shed no blood, but cast him to this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eye, lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a, goat of, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in the morning. In mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guards. So we ask ourselves, when they hated Joseph, they conspired to kill him. They ended up throwing him into a pit and then selling him to a band of Ishmaelites who in turn sold him to Potiphar, an Egyptian and a captain of the guard. When I look ahead at the life of Joseph, I think what these brothers all had to live with for all these years. Numbers 32, 23, I'm just going to turn to it. You may if you want. Is referring to when the Israelites wanted to cross over to Jordan. And this is probably a verse we've all heard our parents tell us sometime or another. Verse, Numbers 32, 23 says... But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. I don't know what was going through the lives of these brothers. They lied to Jacob. They painted a lie to him. They knew the truth. They didn't even give any inkling that, of giving Jacob any difference but the lie. Did they think that their consequence would never come back to haunt them. 
It says in Numbers, be sure your sin will find you out. We may think that we have it hidden, but any sin that we have will eventually find us out. In Genesis 42, verse 21, there is a little bit of description that gives us what the brothers had to face for these years that Joseph was not with them. When they did meet Joseph, not knowing who Joseph was, um, when they went to get food during the famine, in Genesis 42, verse 21, and I'll probably come back to this later some other time. It says, And they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And I think back, they lived with this for how many years? Joseph was 17. When he was reunited with Jacob at age 39, it's possible that these brothers lived with that anguish for 22 years. It's a long time. The story of Joseph isn't just an Old Testament story that is an interesting story for us to read. It's also a story that God has promised to be with us. And when God is with us, we will be victorious. Is God with us? Is God with you today where you're at? I'd like to just read portions. I'm going to paraphrase Isaiah 43. The first five verses. I'm not going to read the entire verses. Just paraphrase them. It says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, Israel your Savior. Fear not, for I am with you. At 17 years old, how did Joseph endure what he all went on in his life? He had dreams just like you and I did. I mean, his dreams might be different than ours, but he had dreams. He was torn from his father. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was stripped of his clothing, and he was sold as a slave. How can we keep our dreams alive when we face difficulty? There are two things that are written about Joseph. The first one, it says, the Lord was with him. The second one, it says that Joseph was a successful man and he was a prosperous man. We'll get to that later. So where is Joseph now? He's a slave. He's not with his family. He was torn away from his father. He had nothing to do with it. His brothers took and sold him. This morning in scripture reading, Marvin, the last first has really stood out to me. I'd like to read them again. Matthew chapter 11. 
I think if Joseph had a Bible and he could read it, he'd probably read these verses and say, wow, that's what I needed. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to the end. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why was Joseph successful? Because God was with him. So we can see from the life of Joseph that our circumstances don't create who we are. Our circumstances don't define who we are because it wasn't about his circumstances. It was about his heart. It was about his walk with God. It was about his person. It was about his character. Remember, it's not the water around the boat that sinks the boat. It's the water that's in the boat. So we, today, need to stop blaming our circumstance for everything that goes wrong in our lives. Everywhere Joseph went, he was like cream that rose to the top. Because God is with him. Why? Because it wasn't about his character, his circumstances, I'm sorry. It wasn't about his circumstances. It was about his heart. It was about his person. It was about his character. It's because it is about who he was. And we can look to the life of Joseph and apply that to our lives today.